0: Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Birth Lounge Podcast. We're so excited to have you here today because we're going to be talking about a really rare condition that may happen during labor. That's called bandel's Ring. Now, this happens in about one in every 5,000-ish live births, um, and one of the risk factors that we know associated with it is actually prolonged labor. Today, I'm joined by Michaela, who actually experienced bandel's Ring during her birth experience, and we're going to be dive in into that. So, Michaela, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for sharing your birth story with us. I think that this is going to be very eye-opening for people and super informative. So, if anyone finds themselves with Vandals Ring during labor, they'll know what to do. Uh, So, I guess I'll just hand it over to you. Can you give us a rundown on your experience? Yeah, sure. Uh, So, I had a very easy pregnancy,
1: no really any typical pregnancy symptoms, nothing. Um, I started having consistent contractions every seven minutes uh, at 36 weeks. Uh, I ended up having my my water broke at 7 a.m. on the Monday morning. I was 40 weeks and four days at that point. Um, I got into bed, swung my leg over the dog and was, oh, I either just, peed my pants again, or my water broke. Uh, So I called the midwives. And as I was changing my underwear, I just watched my water break more. So they asked me, do we need to test this? And I was like, absolutely not. I know this was my water. water. (laughs) (laughs) And at that point, my contractions stopped. So I was GBS positive. So they gave me 12 hours to really pick up into labor. The plan was to have a home birth. Um, But for 12 hours, I had nothing. I washed my floor on my hands and knees, everything I did, everything I could think of, nothing, no contractions, nothing. So we ended up going to the hospital at about seven o'clock that night. Uh, I had my blood work and everything done at eight o'clock. And we started my induction at nine, went to bed, still nothing i had nothing at this point um i will say the thursday before my water broke i did do a stress test and we found out that my son had a low baseline for his heart rate which was in hindsight really nice to know for my labor uh so i go to sleep after my induction starts and about three four hours later I'm woken up by my first like real true contraction after the induction. I was like, okay, finally, like, let's, let's go. I'm ready. And then my contractions right away almost. So I, I think I labored for about a half hour pretty nicely. And then all of a sudden it was four minute long contractions and then a 30 second break, four minute long contractions. And then a 30 second break. I was like, no, <laughs> this is, I'm not ready for this yet. I need, I need a breather. Uh, and our hospital policy at this time was we weren't allowed to have a water birth. Uh, so I asked for a morphine shot. I got my morphine shot. It did nothing. It didn't even touch me. Um, So about an hour and a half later, the the anesthesiologist nurse comes in and asks if I want an epidural. And in my mind, I was like, I'll get the epidural. I'll have a nap for a couple hours and then we'll turn it off really liked that nurse. I was sad that she couldn't stay my nurse. Uh, So I get my epidural and it just, it knocks me out. I was done. I slept and slept and slept. It wasn't even really coherent enough to ask for uh, my epidural to be turned down. I remember at seven o'clock, my midwife being uh, switched out with another midwife. So this is now seven o'clock Tuesday morning loved both my midwives uh i had another nurse at this point not the biggest fan of her and she was my nurse throughout the entire day uh, but uh all of the other nurses were really great so at about nine o'clock i'm woken up and i'm still extremely groggy from my epidural And all of a sudden, like jumping in bed, almost that I'm woken up from my midwife switching my position. And I had been myself like, okay, every two hours, roughly like, I want to switch. I want to be on this side. I don't want the peanut ball here anymore. Like this isn't comfortable. Like I was still, my epidural was enough that my pain was gone and, but I was super groggy, but it was still enough. I'm like, okay, I'm not comfortable anymore. Let's switch positions. And so it was really good. My team was really good with doing that. so at nine o'clock, she has me bolt up pretty much. And I was like, okay, I'm awake. <laughs> like, are we pushing? What's going on? No, his heart rate was dropping so low with the contractions. and My contractions were still four minutes, 30 second break that he couldn't come back up fast enough. His heart rate was just staying too low for too long. So we're, she's switching all my positions where trying everything we can. Uh, She turns off uh, the Pitocin uh, to see if that helps. Nothing's working. At about 10.30, uh, she tells me, I'm going to go get the OB and get his opinion. And in my mind, it was, okay, my midwife has tried everything she can. We are most likely having a C-section. He comes in at about 11, and I was really, really happy with the OB that we got. He's the fetal surgeon in our area. He works very closely with the OBs or with the midwife. Sorry. I was like, okay, we are in good hands. Like this is, if I'm having a C-section, we are fine. I know like, he's not going to push this unless he really feels like this is the case. Like I am, I am okay having a C-section at this point. So he comes in, he asks if he can check me he was not happy. He and the midwife both tried to have me push to see if we could get anything to progress. At this point, I was only four centimeters still.
0: So this is 10 o'clock or uh, 1030, 11 ish. Sorry. I'm only more four than 24 hours into labor, more than 24 hours into labor. Yes. Um, I could get to five centimeters pushing and that
1: was it. Um, So I remember he looked at my midwife and he looked at me and he's like, I really think your best and safest option at this point is a C-section. And I was like, okay. And I remember my partner looking at me like, you are dead set on a kitchen home birth and you just like drop of a hat. Like what is going on? I was like, "They, this OB and my midwife would not have suggested the C-section if they felt like I had any other option i fully trust my midwives they were great and we had talked about it and i i knew that this was our only option this was our safest option at least at this point so all of the nurses start coming in at 11 o'clock and that nurse that i wasn't really fond of asked me are you gonna wear your your glasses in the operating room and I remember my midwife looking at her like, "How is she going to see her baby if she doesn't have her glasses on?" <laughs> it was like, "Yes, I'm wearing my glasses." And that just with how out of it I was, that just stuck with me so much. Like, "Yes, I'm wearing my glasses. I can't see without them." Uh, so, at eleven thirty, we're in the operating room, and I remember laying there. And one of the other things that really sticks out with me, one of my, one of my favorite shows is, is friends. And one of the operating nurses had a friend's scrub cap, and I remember just thinking like, this was meant to be, this is great, we are fine, there's friends, like it's, we're good. (laughs) And then I started playing the episode of Rachel having her baby in my head. And I just started laughing and my anesthesiologist looked at me and was like, I haven't even given you the meds yet. (laughs) And I was like, no, we're good. So I get my spinal. We're all good. I'm laying there. My partner comes back in. My midwife comes in. She's walking me through all the steps. I remember looking at the anesthesiologist and I am so nauseous. And he's like, you had an epidural and now a spinal. Like this is even just a C-section in general. That's very normal. Like you're okay. I'm, I have you. Um, so we didn't know what we were having. And so the anesthesiologist looked at me and was like, is dad okay with uh like blood and i remember thinking i am so out of it and he's right beside me why aren't you asking him not thinking well he could lie and then pass out and they have another issue <laughs> i was like no he's fine so he actually got to look over the screen and tell us that it was a boy and at this point i thought i had just been whispering to mac constantly and then when they showed me our son i thought i had um, I whispers. sorry. I thought I was talking normally to Mac this whole time, but I was whispering. And then when they showed me our son, I thought I whispered, but apparently I yelled, holy shit, he's huge. He was <laughs> nine pounds, 10 and a half ounces. Uh, <laughs> he was huge. And I remember thinking he has a big cone head. And at this point, we didn't know about the vandal's ring, which afterwards makes sense that he was such a cone head. Uh, so they take him away. They give them to Mac. My midwife was really good. She, I didn't want him to be, um, wiped off or anything. So they didn't do that. They gave him to Mac. He put his head or his cheek to my cheek. Cause I was so out of it. My arms, they had to strap my arms down so I couldn't hold him. Um, and I just, I was too nauseous that I couldn't really look at him. I couldn't have him there. And I told my I'm like, I can't like, you have, you do it. You do skin to skin. I can't do it right now. And I looked at the anesthesiologist and I said, I'm really dizzy. And he just looked at me like, yeah, yeah, you, that makes sense. As I heard our OB say, why isn't my cautery working? Why isn't my suction working? And called back the OB resident to help him. And at that point I thought Mac was gone, but they didn't take him out actually of the operating room until after that. So I end up back in recovery. As they're telling Mac, yes, she had a bleeding problem. She hemorrhaged. I ended up losing at least 1,500 cc's. Um, That's at least what they suctioned. Um, He said that it was definitely more than that. Uh, And he told me at my six-week checkup that I was about 45 minutes to an hour away from having a hysterectomy. Okay, I'm really confident in my decision now then. Like that really solidified for for me that I made the right choice in agreeing to it when I did. Uh but we're both we're both good now. We're both he's thriving. I my postpartum was a bit of a journey, but we're doing really well. Um both the midwives and the OB were within the first six weeks like, okay, this is what we do for a VBAC, This is what you had. This is how we prevent this. And I was like This is why I really liked my birthing team. (laughs) Like, you just, how they handled everything. It was like, I I couldn't, as bad as everything, I shouldn't say bad, but like as stressful and as unpredictable and the exact opposite of how I planned it to go, it really did turn out the best that it could. And it was, I do remember I, I enjoyed all my nurses, but that one the OB was great my midwives were great I don't remember too too much like I had my midwife go through the entire report with me before she discharged me from care I'm like I remember but I don't know where the truth is in what I remember I don't know am I over exaggerating anything so I'm pretty confident in my story like this
0: is exactly how it happened but it was definitely a birth to remember (laughs) but I'm glad that you guys are both okay. And it sounds like your medical team really was just outstanding. So I have a question. I have a couple questions, actually, let's go back to those contractions that were four minutes long and lasting, you know, you only had 30 seconds in between them to kind of recover. Now, typically four, one minute long
1: contractions and a 30 second break.
0: Got it. Okay. No, typically we would think that is coupling. Was there anything in your mind that made you think something is wrong? This isn't coupling. This isn't like a normal variation of labor. Was there anything at that point where you were thinking, hmm, something is up here? I thought it was odd
1: that it happened so quickly like that. But then in my mind, I was like, Well, I was induced. Like it was almost yeah. like a like a false start again to my labor. Right. So it's like, well, this just might be how I respond to the Pitocin. And I remember, um, my first midwife, she had, she said that she was going to play around with the Pitocin while I was in labor. Cause she too is like, okay. And you're having severe back labor already. Like this is, let's adjust this a bit, but it never, at least while I was coherent enough with the, without the epidural to clue into it, it, did contractions didn't change. Once they hit the four, one minute contractions
0: for 30 seconds, that was, that was it. Okay. That's where they stayed. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. Okay. And then do you think that some of your grogginess had to do with the epidural in conjunction with the morphine, or do you think your epidural was really high? Do you think it was the placement? What do you think was going on there? I wondered if at first, at least For the first little bit
1: after my epidural, if like the morphine had kicked in and I thought it had the morphine had kicked in after I got my epidural, that it was just slow to come. Um, But after more research, I think it was just a very, it wasn't a high placed epidural. Like I could still feel below my belly button. They ended up placing my spinal higher than my epidural um, from what I was told. Uh, But it did not, my epidural didn't work on my right side of my hip. So I felt every contraction there still. Uh, and I remember the anesthesiologist came back in about an hour after she had placed it and asked me um, how I was feeling. And I told her that I could still feel every contraction in my right hip. And so she had me sit back up and she played around with it. So I don't know if that had anything to do with it. Um, I do know, though, that I will, if I have more kids, I will not have another epidural. I yeah. will... And if I do, I will be very, very, very pushy with the, I want it just to rest, and then I want it off. I don't want to labor with an epidural again.
0: So do you think some of the medication, the Pitocin, the Morphine, the epidural, do you think any of that played into the Vandals ring experience? So from what I've researched, um, being
1: induced and having the epidural before I was two centimeters definitely could have played a role in it. And I do think because I couldn't get up and really move around that it definitely contributed to, um, from what I was told from my OB though, having those contractions, um, starting at 36 weeks, uh, his suggestion would have been to induce me at 40 weeks because we essentially with <clears throat> with those contractions and then my water breaking my uterus pretty much said my job is done my water broke baby's out and then with the induction it was kind of like a never mind and then we angered my uterus it got stressed out and it con- started contracting pretty much the opposite way is how he explained it to me and so his suggestion was to not let me labor like i did for those 4 weeks again So a lot of up in the air, but I definitely think the meds played a huge role in that.
0: Yeah. So with Bandle's Ring, for our viewers and listeners out there, we typically see um, some sort of uh, contortion with the belly. You know how um, you see those things on the Internet where people will put a bunch of rubber bands on a watermelon and the watermelon will be kind of big and fluffy at the top. And then it goes in and then it's big and fluffy at the bottom. We often see this with Bandle's Ring. Michaela, did you have that? Was your belly kind of funky looking? And you were like, wow, this is certainly not normal. So I never actually looked at my stomach after the
1: epidural. I was just way too out of it. Um, But I was told by my midwife uh, after she went and got the OB that I was showing some signs like my stomach wasn't contracting. She could tell by looking at my stomach that I wasn't contracting properly. I was like, okay. And at that point, I was like, I don't know what that means, but okay. Okay. Like I I trust you. Yeah. But
0: that makes sense. So what happens is um there's there are different constriction rings in our bellies because it's you know it's layers of muscles, mm-hmm. right? Um and what happens is sometimes the constriction ring in the middle of your belly can actually contract and then get stuck like that. Um and not only is it very painful and it causes a prolonged labor, but it also can make it really difficult for the baby to move down through your belly, through your uterus, down through the vaginal canal and the birth canal. So Michaela you. You mentioned that your baby had a really kind of, uh, pronounced cone head. I assume you believe that the bandle's ring impacted this and is partly caused that cone head. Yeah. Is that right?
1: Yes. Yeah. So his was a uh, quite large, um, he was monitored for a helmet for a bit, but, uh, has passed that, um, uh, we've gone to the chiropractor consistently to try and reduce that, um, and uh but i do i do think that that was one of the major causes of his cone head and the midwife agreed with me on that chiropractor agreed with me on that um as did the ob so um essentially what they told me is i couldn't dilate because my uh bandel's ring was so uh big that he couldn't drop through it so i wasn't i couldn't dilate any more than what i already was so essentially I would have either had a prolapsed uterus while trying to push him out, or I would have bled out even more and definitely needed the hysterectomy.
0: Or it might have even ended in some sort of uterine rupture where your uterus essentially just kind of gave out because it was given its all. and, And, you know, that was being prohibited by the vandal's ring. So did anyone along the way mention his size as a factor in this or do they consider it completely separate?
1: <laughs> so it's kind of a joke that my my midwife jinxed me a little bit because at my 40-week checkup, so or, so I went in at 40 weeks in one day to see her and that's when I went for my stress test. And that day she was feeling around and she, she said, you have a very well-proportioned baby for your body. <laughs> like, did I though? I mean, yes, I did, but like... <laughs> feel like he jinxed me a little bit there (laughs) yeah no no nothing with how big he was nothing with um that that would be a contributing factor everybody seemed quite surprised that I remember when he was pulled out before Mac got to look over the screen lots of shocks with oh wow that's a big baby (laughs) and so then I was like okay but I don't even know what I had yet like how big is this baby (laughs) Now I want to know that more than I want to know if it was a boy or a girl, <laughs> but yeah, no, everybody was, seemed to be quite shocked with how big he actually was.
0: Sure. That just goes to show, right? Like those late pregnancy ultrasounds, they're so off and they can Mm -hmm. tell us that we have a big baby. And in fact, baby's so tiny and, 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 you know, tell us that we have an size baby. And in fact, baby comes out and everyone is like, wow, this is a huge baby. Okay. So one of my last questions for you is future implications for pregnancies that you may have in, you know, the future. Did anyone talk to you about risk that this may, you know, play in your future births, or are you at a heightened risk for experiencing Vandal's ring later? Are there certain things in pregnancy and labor in future births that you need to do or be aware of? So from what the OB told me,
1: I um I have the same risks as anybody else that has had a C-section before. Yeah. Um, in regards to the bandles ring, I have a slightly higher chance of having it again, but he said that unless I have a completely normal pregnancy again, um, other than those contractions starting at 36 weeks, I'm to proceed as I wish pretty much. He is all for to be back. He says, try it. He's given, <laughs> he sent over a list of things to my midwife. It's like, okay, like induced by this day, if the contractions are there again, like just, a uh, here's how we can help reduce it so limited medical intervention to try to reduce the major medical interventions like a c-section again but he um he did say that he has um delivered other women with uh vandals ring before and a lot of them i think i believe he said only one or two ever developed it again and everybody else had successful
0: v-backs so sure there's hope there Question about your pregnancy. So you mentioned that your pregnancy was pretty standard and typical. Was there nothing in your pregnancy that may have led you to believe that Bandel's Ring was in your future? I
1: didn't even know what Bandel's Ring was until they told me afterwards. And even then it took a lot of, um, Googling on my part and reaching out to other midwives and doulas to um, try and find more information because my midwives and the OB gave me what they knew, but it's, there's such a lack of information on it that it's, I just felt, I felt okay with my birth. I didn't feel okay with the lack of information I had on the condition that I developed. I wanted more. So I was really happy to agree to do this so that I can help other people.
0: Absolutely. I think it's so rare. So, not only is women's health like not a priority, and we already don't get the money and the funding and the research that we deserve, Um, but Bandle's Ring is so rare. Like I say, it happens in 0.02% of live Mm -hmm. births. So, you guys, you know, I know that this is a scary topic and it's a scary talk to, to hear the possibilities, but it it really is so rare. Michaela, I know that this is such an empowering conversation and you are helping so many other people who are pregnant right now or thinking about having babies. Understand what the the rare risks are, absolutely. So my final question, which I know I've already said that, but my final question <laughs> is um, it it must have felt Scary, absolutely. But more so, did it feel like an emergency? How much urgency was around you? Did you feel like your hospital staff was rushing? Did you feel that sense of urgency in your body? It sounded like your C-section was timely, but not absolutely like completely rushed. Explain to us what the environment looked like and the the demeanor of your staff once they kind of discovered you had vandals ring. Yeah. So the midwife went and got, um, the OB at
1: about 10, 30. And the urgency that I felt the most, at least was around nine o'clock in that nine to 10 o'clock hour when she was trying to, um, get things going again, when she was flipping me and whatnot. And at that point I was like, okay, like something's not quite right. Like she's not, she's not rushing anything, but I was like, she has kind of like, let me just be up until this point. So there's something going on. And then the, I was wheeled into the OR at 1130. He was born at 1154. I didn't feel, I actually remember laying on the table thinking, where the hell is my doctor? Why is this taking so long? Like, I want to meet my baby. (laughs) Like, come on, (laughs) let's go. It was almost like too slow for me. Um, in hindsight though I was told that it actually wasn't that slow <laughs> that was just my perception of it um uh, but afterwards I remember when he when I heard him say why isn't my cautery working why isn't my section working at that point I was like oh okay like something's going on he called I saw the other the resident OB run back and it like it wasn't a far distance but she ran back um And I saw the anesthesiologist like quickly turn and like do some stuff. And I was like, okay, like there's something going on now. But other than that, it was a very calm, very like they, they walked me to the OR. Like it was very, very almost peaceful to be going into a surgery at that point. It was very much a, you're going to go meet your baby. This isn't how you wanted it to happen but you're going to go meet your baby and everything's going to be okay.
0: Yeah. I think that the trauma that a lot of people have from unexpected and unwanted C-sections is that loss of control and the rush, the urgency people, not letting them know what's going on and the next steps and what they can expect. And it sounds like with your wonderful medical team, you were able to avoid a lot of that. And they really kept you in control, even though Nature was controlling the situation, which is so many people's stories out there, right? Like, birth is yeah. not anything that we'll ever be able to control. All that we can control is how we react and respond to what nature and birth throws our way. I mean, it sounds like you were really surrounded by a wonderful medical team, which makes my heart so yeah. happy.
1: Um, I even remembered the OB uh, looking over the curtain at me and said, Okay, you're numb. I'm ready to cut. Are you ready for me to cut? I was like, Oh okay, yeah, go for it. Like, I wasn't expecting you to ask me that.
0: How often do we see people be able to actually give consent for a C-section like that? That is, that is like the ultimate respect. That truly is dreamy in a situation that is kind of less than ideal. And like you had said, opposite of what you had planned. Okay. So, um, Wrapping up, I've said it a million times, but here's my actual <laughs> last question for you. Um, going forth in future pregnancies, from this experience, what did you learn and how will that impact your future pregnancies as far as what you and your partner do? Um, so
1: I definitely said that I was going to make him do more birth classes. And I told him like, I wasn't that he wasn't supportive. It was like, I just, it was our first. I was like, I didn't know what to expect. You didn't know what to expect. And I was like, I need more support next time, other than just my midwife. And he was great. And as much as he was out of it too, with everything going on, it was, we're going to plan better next time, especially since we had the C-section. I had this complication that it, it could come again. Um but and I really want my doula this time. We weren't allowed to have our doula. It's like I want my doula, but and we weren't so, allowed
0: to have your doula because of COVID.
1: Yep. Yep. We were not allowed to have our doula. Um who was actually my mom. And we were told uh that as long as she did the doula course, she would be allowed in the hospital as my doula. And then about a month before, I guess they had changed that rule, So I didn't get to have my mom or my doula,
0: but, that uh, yeah, COVID yeah. So, has robbed us of so much stuff. Um, that's so unfortunate. Yeah. But no,
1: I would definitely prepare more to avoid, um, any sort of meds really again. Sure. And I would definitely That birth pool is going to be set up in my kitchen again for weeks before because that's, that is my main goal is to just complete the home birth and not have the hospital interventions there if I don't need them. Because I do often wonder too, like, would I have actually gotten the epidural if it hadn't been there? Did I just agree to it? Because it was there and it was offered. And it was right in the middle of a contraction that they came in
0: and asked. Yeah, so, Yeah, it's funny how perfectly timed their questions are. Not that I believe that yours was manipulated in any way. Mm-hmm. It sounds like your story was, um, like I say, dreamy in a less than ideal situation. And it sounds like mm-hmm. your medical team went above and beyond to really make sure that you were supported and you stayed in control and you were making the decisions and you understood what was happening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, This Yeah, this has been so informative. Thank you so much. So listeners out there, Vandals ring, it's something to be aware of, but I would not be afraid of it. It is very rare, but you can see how when the constriction rings in your belly get Confused and they're not able to accomplish their job, it holds up your baby, and therefore, you don't have that cervical pressure from their head because your baby's not descending, and it can really impact your birth story. I hope for everyone out there, if you do experience Vandals Ring, I hope you have a similar team to Michaela because it sounds like your birth went exactly how it was supposed to go, and you had a lot of lessons learned, you had a good experience. Experience through it all. Um, and you came out with a positive story on the end of something that otherwise could have been really traumatic. Thank you so much for sharing your story. This was awesome. I think a lot of people are unaware of Vandal's ring. I think it's something that medical professionals are not talking to people about. Um, and like mm-hmm. you noted, the research out there is just so sparse. It's far and few between. And the studies that have been done aren't super great quality. So it's really no. hard to be educated on a subject like Vandal's ring. All right, you guys, thank you so much for joining us today. We'll see you next week for another episode of the Birth Lounge podcast. Bye. there. Just a friendly reminder that nothing in this podcast is to be used as medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Please consult your health care provider with any questions or concerns you have about your health or anything discussed in this podcast. Side effects may include educated adults, informed decision-making skills, and consensual care. Tranquility by Heehee and the Birth Lounge are not responsible for any ideal births that were created with this podcast. The birth parent deserves all the credit.